1: morning. Welcome to the World Football Program 107.9 FM Radio Fremantle. What a mouthful. Penn and Dave in the studio on this <laughs> lovely sunny day. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, everyone.
0: Good morning, all. Uh, and it is a beautiful day.
1: Sure is. Absolutely gorgeous for football and anything else you could possibly choose to be wanting to do on this beautiful Saturday morning, which starts off with lots of football, ends with lots of football and then does it all again tomorrow what else could you want if you're a football person. passionate person? <laughs> That's just wonderful. So, it's Saturday, May 28th. Welcome. Thank you for listening in. You can join us on the podcast if you miss any part of the show. Go to the worldfootballprogram.com.au website. That's with a double M E. Go to the podcast section, or you can go to the listen live section and get a nice, clear reception while you're out and about via a radio or an app on something. All this technology is pretty amazing these days. So I do thank people like Nick Templeman for setting it all up for us so that listeners out there can enjoy wherever they are. Thank you, everyone, for helping us out. And thank you to Futsal WA, West Fencing and Rawd Iron and Gaden Fence Hardware. Futsal competitions are taking on registrations at the moment, so if you're looking to play football in any kind of way, competitively or socially, do contact the team at futsal wa dave what's been happening in your football week that's been enticing for you
0: oh it's just uh, at this moment in time it's everything's happening you know the, the finality of last weekend and but all the other guys who are battling their way through trying to get through to the the next stage up or trying to save themselves from going down it's uh just amazing
2: yep, yep.
1: You know,
0: it's yeah. exciting getting the, the computer on in the morning to see what's <laughs> been happening. <you>
1: know, <laughs> yeah, I reckon there's a lot of late nights as that te- technology thing kicks in again where you can just watch things all around the world at all different times of your day and night.
0: Yep, absolutely. Yeah.
1: There's been some exciting things happen over the past week or so with uh, the. Uh, European Champions League final, Ellie Carpenter getting herself injured and uh, Perth Glory Awards. We'll talk to Matt Stacey about that. The All-Stars versus Barcelona game. Um, World Cup qualifiers are coming up. Yep. Uh, last couple of places to be fought for. Uh, and A-League Awards happened as well during the week. So there's lots of things that have been happening and like you say, there's finals time. The yep. final for the A-League men coming A-League up
0: men is tonight. Tomorrow. Yeah. Tonight. Yeah, tonight, yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Tonight. And yeah, just uh, keep an eye out on Channel 10, free to air football. So the upcoming Socceroos World Cup qualifiers, you'll be able to watch them. Yeah. And uh, Matilda's are playing a couple of games against Spain and Portugal as yeah. well.
0: Um, but you've also got to talk about Sam Kerr with that goal. Mm-hmm. On, that goal. Which goal? The...
1: There's so many damn goals <laughs> that girl scores that are totally unique, right? Unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It's great stuff. And what it's. I think it's doing, it's making the world watch and t- pay attention to women's football.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: And, absolutely. I mean, she, she's a pretty amazing goal scorer. Is she the best player in the world? I don't know about that. There's some pretty amazing footballers out there. But she continually scores goals. And that's one of the reasons we watch football, right? That's, yeah. that's why we jump up and down in our seats. We, we live for those goals in a game. And she's scoring them, and amazing ones.
0: Doing it all the time. She, yeah. should, she should be made a... A life member of Football West. Of Football West? Uh, absolutely, of Football West.
1: As a, you know, as a player?
0: As a person. Okay. Um, you know, here was the Women's um, Champions League in Europe. 95,000 people went into New Camp and watched the game there. They also had 15,000 people went to Turin to watch it as well. That's massive numbers. That's yeah. absolutely amazing.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: One of the biggest crowds at any non-event game. The game was actually wasn't going on in the new camp, but they were all there watching it
1: on the big screen.
0: Big screens. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's women's football. Yeah. Hey, they banned it, you know, hundred years ago.
1: Yeah, I, I know. And the, that's my take from this week. Is my reflection on where women's football is and has come and the attention that it's getting and you know i think here in australia it probably needs a bit more attention we're having a world cup here next year australia and new zealand jointly hosting a women's world cup here and we broke all records for broadcasting when the last women's world cup was on and i'd like to see that happen again a new record here but i'd like to see our community our australian community get passionate about a women's world cup happening and i'm I'm not seeing it, Dave. No, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm it's, passionate about it and you're passionate yeah, about it. It's, and
0: It's extremely quiet. And yeah. also, the World Cup is in November, the men's, December. The men's World Cup. Men's That's World right. Cup.
1: i <laughs> not well, anything. What's going on? Yeah. Uh,
0: is, is it the fact <laughs> that we're isolated or what?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we, we in West Australia, we're in a state of emergency. I said to Dad last night, Dad, you know, we're in a state of emergency. He goes, When did that happen? I said, March 2020. We haven't got out of it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with the the COVID management over the next uh, month or so. They reckon things are going to peak over I think school holidays, kind of uh, June, mid June period. We'll but see, the, the we'll numbers have,
0: have dropped. They've dropped bl- below the the ten thousand. Yeah, it was down to like seven thousand or something yesterday. So. Yeah, That's always encouraging.
1: Well, it is, and th- there are peaks and troughs of how things are, are happening there and their estimations and whatever. D- just do everything that's safe and socially distance. Wear your mask if you need to, and you just be careful about things. And I, there's not, not actually many people I know, not many families that haven't been affected by COVID in some way. Someone mm. in their family's got it, they've had to isolate. I know in my football teams that I'm involved with, um, about half my girls, I think, have been affected by it in the juniors and in, in the senior team. I think there's three that haven't got it. Well, um,
0: yeah. But I think you're just as well all to get it. I've heard of families having group hugs yeah. when one person gets it because <laughs> they, they want to have it and get it over with, you know?
1: Yeah, it's kind Getting of crazy. to life. Yep. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's part of life at the moment, isn't it? How mm. we manage it. And, uh, it's the only thing that I can think of in, in my life where the whole world has been affected by the same thing. It's, uh... Yep, we're all, we're all managing it in, in our ways. This is Penn and Dave on the World Football Programme. We do thank you for listening in. Our guests on the show today include Ben Smith from uh, WA News, Perth Now. You might have seen some of his reports, Match Reporter. We'll have a chat to Matt Stacey, Perth Gory number one fan. And J.O. Odong from Football Australia Media, or Anne Odong as you might know her, started her career career I'll say here, right here in the studio. Okay. Yep. And Dan Evans. We all know Dan Evans. Uh, <laughs> always one to be heard. He's the Football West Development Officer. Well, one of the Football West Development Officers. He's also the head coach at Swan United Football Club. And we will go to break and come back and chat more football with all of those
3: guests. Stay with us. 107.9 FM, your local station.
4: West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport at all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play, with grassroots and junior leagues pathways to academies, and elite club competitions, and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual, or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's, or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport, and the fastest-growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au
5: Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above Don't fence me in
6: Oswest Fencing and iron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour-bond aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T-Fencing.com.au don't fence me in.
1: Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Dave in the studio. And Ben Smith joins us for the first time. Seven West media sports reporter. You might know Ben from Mum FC, Murdoch University, Melville Football Club and match reporting and playing days. Good morning, Ben.
7: Hi, Penny.
0: Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Hey, Ben. I'm doing good. used to play in the green and gold a long time ago, huh? I know.
7: It's, it's been a while. I must. I think the first... I think my under-18s team was coached by Dave.
0: Yeah, it could have been, yeah.
1: There you go. (laughs) Good on you, Dave. And when we're talking green and gold, we don't mean Australia, do we, guys? No,
0: we don't. (laughs) We're talking Melville City in them days, yeah.
1: That's right. That old green and gold strip does come out from time to time still.
0: It does get unearthed and is reused,
1: yeah. I I like that green and gold strip. We're, We're now in the black and red of the Murdoch joint colours with melville city but yeah. the old um, melville city colours were blue and white i think and green and gold they're the two yeah. prime colours yeah, yeah. Mm. there you go so ben give us a little bit of a wrap of ben smith and and how he adds to the value of sport in the community for our listeners
7: uh well so i've been uh writing, well i started pricing with uh Community news in 2017, and um, you know we got bought out by Seven West Media in 2019. So I've been working with Seven West uh, as you know under the Community News banner, and then under the currently under the Perth Now Local banner. I also do uh, fair bit of sports reporting for the West Australian. Uh, so yeah, I've been uh, involved in local journalism for the past five years, but uh, I have been playing football uh, a lot longer than that. I've been playing football in Australia since I was fi- uh, probably five to six years old. I've played at a lot of clubs, uh, Canning City, Gosnell City. Uh, during my time at Gosnells, i played alongside, uh, I think, three future A-League players in uh, Scott Galloway, Riley Woodcock, and Jacob Collard. Mm. Uh, I was at Forestville, briefly. I was at Melville, uh, where you know Dave Kindness did coach me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then played... Uh, State League uh, Division 2 and Division 2 reserves for Melville City then Murdoch University, Melville and I'm currently at Curtin University.
0: So you're still at Curtin, eh?
7: Um, yep, still at Curtin. i uh, got a game coming up in uh, about two and a half hours, I oh. think, or <laughs> three hours. Okay. Uh,
0: yeah. you, you actually used to write uh, the the game reports for us as well. Um,
7: I did. I did indeed, yeah. Hmm. Um, I was, that would have probably been going back seven or eight years ago now, it, it would or be, yeah, maybe even longer. But, yeah, I did mm. used to do match reports on the Melbourne City uh, website. It's uh, <laughs> going back a fair way now, and uh, I'd like to think my writing's probably improved a bit since those early days.
0: Well, I, th- I think it has, yeah. But uh, you did well. You did well then.
1: <laughs> yeah, good one. It's good to see you've got a, a lot of football crammed into that uh, young life of yours. Um, and someone said to me once, if you cram about... Five clubs into a ten-year period—you're considered a bit of a journey person. You sound like a bit of a journey person there, Ben. You're sampling all the clubs in the Perth area.
7: <laughs> yeah, kind of. I've bounced around. I was—I was at Melville and Murdoch University, Melville, probably for the longest. I was probably there for uh, maybe eight eight years, yeah, I think, plus least, a couple yeah. of years in juniors. So um, yeah, I spent by far most of my career at uh, Melville. It's only the past two or three years actually—I actually moved.
1: What do you think has been top of the football news for you this week? There's been a lot happening
7: uh yeah, well, we did have the Socceroos uh squad announcement uh this morning uh, ahead of the uh the world cup qualifiers uh so that was it came out very uh surprising time actually it was uh five a m western standard Time I think it came out about <laughs> I don't know. It's a very weird time to unveil a uh, a squad announcement for a World Cup uh, playoff. Uh, You know, Saturday morning. You know, but very early Saturday morning. Um, Even if it is seven or eight a.m. over East, it's still a bit of a strange time. But yeah, that that's fresh off the uh, off the press today, and uh, not really too many surprises, if I'm honest. Graham Arnold has proven during his time as soccer as coach, he is a creature of habit. Uh, he has, you know, he has his favorite players, for better or for worse. Uh, he's sticking to the players he, for the most part, who have served him throughout this world cup qualifying campaign. It's, uh, it. there's a few, there's a few names, I think, which will raise a few eyebrows. I think, calling up Andrew Redmayne again, uh, the Sydney FC goalkeeper. He's, you know, he's only going to be the third goalkeeper. He won't play, but he has had a pretty disappointing uh, season in goal for Sydney FC, so I'm surprised to see him there. He's an Arnie favourite, though. Uh, but I think Mark Birrigitte, the uh, Central Coast keeper, who's obviously from uh, from Perth, he's a, he, he was just crowned this week the uh, best goalkeeper in the A-League. And That's right. I think he can consider himself quite unlucky to not have that third Socceroos uh, goalkeeping spot because... I think he's a far superior keeper to Redmayne, and Redmayne certainly this season has, uh, you know, shown that he's no longer one of the best uh, keepers in the league. So it's a bit of a bizarre, uh, you know, it's it's only for goalkeeping spot. You know, neither Redmayne or Biraghi probably would have will play much or would have played much in these quali- in this uh, playoff. Uh, but I think it's just one of those things which. Has been a constant, uh, you know, it has been, there's been a lot of criticism of Graham Arnold in terms of his squad composition and the fact that it feels like he's been picking favourites and the, you know, the continued selection of Red Main kind of speaks to that.
1: Ben, what's your thoughts on that? We Dave and I were talking earlier where the Matildas and the Socceroos really have got to lift their game another notch if they're going to be world beaters. Women's World Cup, Australia, New Zealand, we're hosting, we're already part of the competition, but we've got to play and get through to the finals. We're, we're, we've are we qualified, but we've still got to do the work. Uh, and for the Socceroos, we've not made it easy for ourselves. And if we're going for tried and true players, do you think there, there's another level within that squad that Arnie can get out of them?
7: I think so. It just depends on the deployment of Players, which players he uses. For instance, Dennis Dennis Jonro, who hasn't really featured much in the soccer-oos, uh setup. He's only played two games, but he spent uh, the, uh, the the last season in uh, the second division in France uh, with uh, Toulouse. Oh, I may have butchered that uh, pronunciation. But Jonro has <laughs> helped. Uh, he's helped Toulouse uh, to uh, well to the French uh, Ligue one. Uh, they they've actually gained promotion and John Rowe played more than thirty games for them. He was a you know an ever present in the middle of midfield for for Toulouse. So I would ex- you know he's the sort of player I would have liked to have seen Arnold use uh, more of uh, during World Cup qualifying campaign. But he he really has kind of uh, you know used him very sparingly and gone with a you know holding midfield duo of Aaron Moy and uh, uh, Jackson Irvine on a lot of occasions and I'm not, you know, Aaron Moy obviously has had a very good career, but I think his best days have been past him. I think he is always someone who plays at quite a slow tempo and, you know, cause he, he himself is not a, you know, an athletic player. He's technically very good, but, you know, phys- physically and, uh, you know, athletically, he leaves a lot to be desired. I think you can, rep- if you replace Moy with, Danny John Rowe, you might... Or even Jackson Irvine with Denny John Rowe. You're
1: going to get a bit more energy.
7: Probably, exactly, yeah. And I think John Rowe is... You know, he's young, he's talented. He's obviously... You know, bad players don't start as many games as he has at such a young age in the French second division. So um, he's someone I would like to see Arnold give a go against the UAE in that playoff and again against uh, Peru should we beat the UAE. Um, and I think... There's just um, when I look at this Socceroos team, there's just no like they don't have apart from Tom Rogic and uh, Aiden Fruhstich. There's a lot of there's a lot of reliance on those two when the soccer is play to be creative. I would love to see Arnold give Marco Tilio, the Melbourne City youngster who is in the squad, uh, a lot more leash. I agree. Uh, he seems to kind of be used as a super sub, you know, as a you know break glass in case of emergency option, but tilio has been, and it's weird because Tilio kind of fulfils the same role for Melbourne City. He comes off the bench a lot, uh, yet he's in the Socceroos squad. He's a very talented player. He changed the game in the uh, in Melbourne City's win over Adelaide United last week. I'd love to see Graham Idol give him a bit of an extended run, if possible, uh, against the UAE.
1: So what you're saying is, we need a couple of game changes uh, to, right in the middle for the Socceroos. That'll help us create some more opportunities and score more goals. Because we've got I think we've got goal scorers. We just need someone yeah. can tran- transition the ball quickly into attack.
7: Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, I like to look at Johnny Stensness when he played against Japan. But, again, he's only, I think that was only his first or second game for the, uh, I think it was his his, soccer, his debut. Um, and, you know, with, against Japan, we started a midfield duo of Stensness and uh, Conor Metcalf from Melbourne City. That was a very inexperienced Central midfield tandem up against the might of Japan. And while, you know, Stenson's, I thought, showed some good signs, it's very hard to drop an inexperienced player into that sort of situation in what was effectively a must win game and hope for good results. And it's the same with John Rowe. You know, Stenson's and John Rowe both look like, you know, fine, very talented young players, but they haven't really been given enough of a run under Arnold and they haven't really been properly integrated into the soccer. Socceroos'
1: system. Well, Ben, I think when we play the game against uh, Jordan, is on the 2nd of June. I think that's the next friendly with the soccerers have got coming up. Mm. That's yep, Is, is correct. That the only friendly that we've got before we're playing the qualifiers? It must be because it's June 7 that we're playing UAE, isn't yeah. it? So it's not too far Yeah, away. yeah. Yeah, so these are, uh, Arnold's only got one, one more chance to get that whole 28-player squad firing along and then we've got the second game against Peru on June 13 and we've really got to get the results out of those games otherwise it's no World Cup for us Dave.
0: Yes we have, We uh, it, it doesn't look too promising no. to be quite honest.
1: And we've got to pull out all stops, we've got to find the right combination in that Jordan game or there in roundabouts uh, in, in the training sessions that he's going to pull together and get them firing on all cylinders. Yeah. I, th- I think we've got the players in that squad. Just getting the right dynamic and getting the right players and getting the creativity in the middle that's going to la- allow the attacking players that can score goals in our domestic competition to do it on the national stage as yeah. well. Yeah, but
0: in my opinion, the, the, the guys are playing with fear. They're scared. They're not being adventurous at all
1: because the coaching philosophy is not allowing them to or because they don't have the right players around them? No, or diff-
0: difficult one to say but uh, they just don't seem to have the confidence to go forward and have a go. They just want to play that extra pass. They want to do something different.
1: Get the All-Stars game out there as Socceroos. <laughs> they did pretty well against Barcelona. What do you reckon, Ben?
7: Yeah, I was surprised at the, uh, at the All-Stars game against Barcelona. I kind of didn't really care about it but I flicked it on and yeah, I was surprisingly entertained. Uh, I, obviously, Barcelona came off it, you know, they played their last league game on Sunday and then literally got on a flight to Sydney, uh, you know, a cross-global flight to Sydney. would have been 15 to 20 hours, somewhere in between that, for a game which they had no stake in, really. Um, and, you know, they did take it somewhat seriously, uh, but it was obviously a Barcelona, even though, you know, they were playing a lot of their first team, as you could tell, the effort levels were a lot lower than they would normally be from Barcelona. Uh, having said that, I think the All-Stars did a decent job. Uh, it, it wasn't a lopsided scoreline like I was expecting. They showed some really nice signs, uh, especially Grand Kual off the bench. He's, uh, he's such a talent. Uh, him and both, his, his older brother, Alou, just fantastic young strikers uh, who have both come out of the Central Coast Academy and I look forward to seeing uh, Garanquil hopefully gets another season in the A-League before he you know, heads off to, uh, to Europe. Because he almost scored an absolutely fantastic goal against Barcelona, which would have... No, I know it was a postseason season friendly. I know there was no pressure on either team. But if he'd scored that, I think it would have lit up the internet.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah, I heard uh, this morning that is Mbappe is now on 000, 000 a million dollars per week. week or something. Yep. Like, phew! Talk about enticing players from anywhere in the world to go to Europe. If that kind of money is (laughs) being flashed around, wouldn't you want to just start in the academy and work your way up to a million bucks a week? Not much chance of holding on to players here unless we do something about the system here to absolutely ensure we can foster and keep the players here in our system.
0: Absolutely. Mm. It's a a requirement. It needs to be done.
1: Absolutely. And and proper compensation when players move on too for all the work that the club's put in at the grassroots level. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so um, just uh, Ben, just m- moving across other things in the local football landscape. Um, Dave, you attended that forum a couple of uh, was it last week or the week before? With when Football Australia were doing the rounds yeah. around Australia, you, have you got some comments on that?
0: Uh, well, it, it was more talking to James Johnston afterwards, and I just asked him about you know, will they ever regurgitate the the NIS, you know, for the national. Institute of Sport, yes. for football.
5: Yeah.
0: Because I know that uh, Mark, Jones AIS, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark Jones was involved. In AIS, yeah. Mark Jones was involved in this. He was an employee. And he was telling me that these guys had KPIs. And, you know, they couldn't give games to to any, any old soul. They had to look for quality players to produce quality players. Yeah. And they did produce quality players. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it all died. And the word that James used... The fact that the Olympics will be in in uh, Brisbane in twenty thirty, 30 uh, two, that the government looked to uh, improve the sporting skills of a lot of different sports within the, the the teams taking part in in Brisbane, and thought that they may take back something along the same lines as the. The, EIS. The
6: That's
1: interesting because <coughs> I kind of think that the AIS was maybe there when a lot of the state structures and maybe the National League teams, like uh, Glory Central Coast said, or didn't have their underpinning youth leagues and academies and so forth. Yep. So that was there when that was absent. So the AIS was there when that was absent. But now is there a role for an AIS with all of the states having more of an infrastructure to develop their own players.
0: Well, let's let's hope so. Um,
1: maybe when there's a national tournament or an international tournament, yeah. maybe that comes into play then. When you want to get, well, I mean, Miranda Tem- Templeman is part of the Future Matildas program, yeah. and that to me is kind of like an AIS program where they are in the vicinity of each other, they play games and they train together. That's kind of like an AIS program. Yeah. I, I don't know if they have anything like that for the men's football, Ben. Maybe you could help me out with that, but would seem to be appropriate if there's an international tournament coming up, they want to get the best players together, they can't just play a friendly match every two months because that's not really fostering uh, togetherness and bonding and the best development for the squad so in the pre you know, pre one year or something they develop a program, a national program and that's when they get, a, is that kind of what you're thinking? Well though?
0: that's not what I'm thinking you've got to look f- a lot further ahead than that, you've got to look 10 years ahead because The the quality is not coming through.
1: Get the connect for the entire nation. we have got a pretty damn big nation. I mean, there's there's a lot of kilometres, which equals a lot of money, a lot of flight and frequent fire points and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You got an answer for that one, Ben? (laughs)
7: Uh, No, I do think think it's a very good point you raised. So, you know, obviously BAIS did produce some very good players. I think Harry Kuehl may have uh, come up through a pathway at one point, but I'm not too sure
1: of that? But he yeah. did,
0: yeah, yeah. How to um, Well, yeah, maybe uh, Vaduka. Vaduka and yeah, uh, Millwall. Played Millwall and um,
2: Tim Cahill
0: yeah, or Tim, Kevin Tim Muscat. Cahill. There you go. Um, I'm Tim not sure about Kevin Muscat. No. Yeah, um, but yeah, obviously, if the
7: three is, the uh, you know the greatest footballers to come from Australia uh, and arguably well I think definitely the three best of the last twenty years um, i it's a great point penny raised though about the IAS was there before you know we had you know the game became professional and the clubs you know the a league men's clubs started to form their own academies um, so how the AAS would fit in with it, with you know those individual club academies because I believe the clubs have to have the a league men's clubs have to have those academy pathways to satisfy their uh, Asian Football Confederation licence. I believe it's, as I understand it, as a requisite uh, for the club to have some sort of academy, you know, uh, in place in order to be a member of the Asian Football Confederation. So how the AIS kind of fits in with that, would the clubs kind of fight back against it because they would be losing players to this, you know, AIS or kind of national kind of... Uh, academy would be um, it would be it would be very interesting to see how the two could be potentially integrated. But I do agree that you know VAS was you know, a fantastic pathway, and like you said, when it's helping produce players like Kuhl and Vidica and uh, Cahill, um, obviously you know Vidica was a very accomplished NSL player as well with Melbourne Knights. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm the sure other there thing too, y-
1: well. the other thing too, you've got to consider is that now that Clubs are getting more professional. So, you know, if you talk down at the grassroots level, like NPL here in West Australia, you've got clubs that work with uh, West Ham and Juventus, and they have uh, professional technical development officers that they employ. So they have their own academies. Um MFC have the Master Program, so uh, Football Mastery Program. Yep. So... Um, you know, clubs are going to get pretty protective about their own patch as well. So if, say, Football West or Football Australia start to um, have their own pathways, and it might be uh, I don't know, NTC, it might be uh, SAP programs or whatever it is, and then the clubs have their own programs because they want to develop players for their pathway, there's almost a parallel. There's a competition between what the clubs want to develop and what the state wants to develop and then what the national team wants to develop. And... I can imagine clubs being quite protective about that because they're investing their resources into it yeah. because they want to get to State League level and then NPL level and they want to hopefully produce players for Perth Glory or State Team, whatever. But yeah. at what point does that happen and how does it connect? I, I don't know.
0: Very true.
1: Mm. Yeah. Lots of things to think about, Ben. Whew. Okay, um, should we have a chat about uh, lo- like very local football, what's happening in the NPL space? Who, mm-hmm. Who's sitting, where are you, are you across things there, Ben?
7: I am indeed.
1: Okay. Uh, what competition takes your fancy? Are you playing the the state league? Is that right? Curtin? with the yeah. yeah. So I'm
7: in uh, Division Two. Yeah, Division Two reserves. Uh, yeah. So, um, but I, I am aware of what's going on in the uh, NPL and it's good to see Sterling Lions after you know uh, coming back into the top flight, uh, sitting top of the table after their first eight games. Yep. Uh, you know, it's not surprising to see Perth Red Star up there challenging uh, with them. Uh, Sorrento have kind of been surprise packets. Uh, you know, they were sitting top, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they've been, by by all accounts, they've been pretty strong. I haven't actually seen them play this season, but they, you know, they always have an air of a side who's very tough to beat. Uh, and very interesting to see Perth slide down. Granted, they've, you know, had a few games called off due to COVID. But uh, you wouldn't have maybe picked them to be ninth after, you know, they've only played six games, so they've got a few games in hand on the rest of the competition. But uh, they've drawn four of their opening six. Uh, you know, the Wingale brothers uh, now in charge down at Dorian Gardens. But that uh, off season coaching change, uh, losing Ramon uh, Faldon, uh was, you know, was he it was, it was obviously a huge loss given his uh, incredible success at Dorian Gardens. So. Uh, Yeah, it looks like uh, Life After Ramon has had a slow start, but uh, it'll be, I know, I think Dale and Mark are good coaches, so it will be uh, interesting to see whether they're given the the time to turn things around, which I'm sure they will. Uh, They will, uh, you know, they've been, they're well known to the club. Uh, They have been involved with the club for a a while, you know, as going back to their playing days. Uh, But yeah, it has maybe, I'm sure. If you ask them, they'd probably be a bit disappointed to have only won one of their
1: opening six. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, and you're right, COVID has played a, a bit of havoc. There's one fixture, I think, only in the round, and that's the Balkadar and Grelup fixture that's been postponed this week. Okay. Um, moving into the women's NPL W, uh, I know Mum FC played last night in their Balkadar fixture. I think there's a couple of double headers this week too. I don't have them in front of me, but. Seem to think that um, a couple of the women, a couple of the men's games are double heading, and they're on uh, the NPL TV, which is fantastic. Ben, to be able to see games when you can't be. After yeah, it them. is.
5: Yeah,
1: love that. Um, and sitting on the top of the top of the table there is Red Star and I was just having a chat to someone midweek about um, when Northern Redbacks amalgamated with Perth Red Star. They they lost their only women's only club status, and. Um, I think there's one, cl- one club over in the east that is a uh, women's only club or female only club but there's another one started up here in Perth. I think it is Belia, and I'll have to have a chat to them about it. Um, so they were at, there's a lot of clubs in the Belia surround, so south of Perth and um, there's, I think there's Belia Junior Club and there's Baldivis and districts and hang on, it's Baldivis, not Belia. and um, they were one club and they wanted to look after the girls a bit more and they've separated. So okay. they're now girls only. And I must have a chat and see how that's going because they've had uh, massive growth in the area yeah. of numbers. And, yeah, interesting.
0: Um, uh, Fremantle um, uh, NPL beat Subi last night 4-1. OK. And Mum got beat 1-0 by Aetna.
1: So Subi picked up a, an international player during the week okay yeah Greg Farrell who, who's from WA Futsal he's coaching Subiaco and they've uh, picked up a, a, a an international player and you know hopefully that'll help them develop a bit more he's done a great job in changing the style of Subiaco they're sitting third from the bottom at the moment um but they, they're playing a different brand of football they're trying to change things
0: looking yeah. a bit better huh? yeah
1: absolutely yeah Red Star sitting on top of 21 points uh are um, seven points clear of Fremantle at the moment? I don't know how the the points from last night well, will no, change that.
0: Fremantle will now have seventeen. Yep. Um, <coughs> Red Star twenty-one. Perth. Talking
1: into it, the uh, microphone there, Dave.
0: Sorry about Dad's that. It.
1: Bring your notes closer to the microphone. Yeah. <coughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah. The and also the fixtures. you interested in the fixtures? Yep. Go on. What um, fixtures are left? So it's Perth at Sea versus. Um, the NTC. Yep. And Red Star versus Curtin.
1: Yep. But do you get down to watch any of the other Curtin games when you're playing, Ben?
7: Uh, I have been to a few. I don't think I've been... To, I haven't been able to get down to any this year, unfortunately, but I have gone in years past. And, uh, yeah, it's been a tough start to the season for the girls. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, with Coach uh, Don Gangami and the club Parting Ways, yep. uh, that's obviously... Know, disappointing uh, but you know from all reports i do know a couple of the girls who play in that team there seems to be a pretty positive uh atmosphere around the team at the moment um you know maybe it hasn't maybe hasn't quite shown him the results yet um but ho- hopefully it does and i think they're they're all kind of pulling together by the sounds of it they know they're in a you know had, had a really rough start to the season and they're you know trying to look forward rather than look back which is which is good i know it, you know They have come in for some criticism at times uh, because they haven't been as competitive as the other teams. But uh, by all accounts, the spirits are still really high within the squad. And, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, they start to pick up some good results.
1: They have a massive game this weekend. Red Star sitting on top of the table and Curtin have got one point at the moment. So, wow, they'll have to be inspired by their new coaching team.
7: Yeah, well, they were, I believe they were two. It wasn't at last Friday's game against Fremantle, but I believe they were actually 2 1 up against Fremantle uh, at one point, and then uh, Fremantle turned on the. Uh, went into fifth gear and uh, put scored five unanswered. Uh, so, you know, there is certainly talent in this Curtin team. It's just, uh, yeah, results haven't been going their way. Um, you know, the consistency uh, maybe, you know, hasn't been there for them, but like I said, by all accounts, Spirits are still really high within the squad and uh, you know, they're you know, they're still enjoying playing, which I think is the most uh, you know important thing.
1: Yeah. Gotta enjoy playing. Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. First time. I hope you'll join us again and uh, share the love of football. Appreciate that.
7: No worries. Look forward to it.
1: Good
0: to talk to you again, Ben.
1: Yep, and good luck yeah, in you your too, game.
7: Dave, good hearing you again. Yeah, thank, thanks guys. Really good chatting to you.
1: Good on you, Ben. See ya.
7: Yep. Thanks. Bye. Bye. See you guys.
1: That was Ben Smith, Seven West media reporter, and he's been working with the community newspaper, so you might have seen some of his match reports over the past uh, five or six years or so. We'll get him on and have more of a chat. Nice voice there. Good for radio.
0: Yep, good for radio. He's a good guy, Ben. He's yes. A hard work- <clears throat> yeah.
1: So, should we go to a break, or do you want to talk some more football before we go to a break, Dave? Um, what have you got that we should know about?
0: Oh, Women's State League. Alone. Yeah, who's
1: sitting on top of the table there?
0: Southwest Phoenix on top with fifteen points, UWA second with nine.
1: That's a running theme with Southwest Phoenix mm. sitting on top of the table.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they're a strong team. Yep. The um uh, the goal scorers, the highest goal scorer is a somebody with the name Longmore Dawson. She scored seven goals. Yep. And uh the UWA girls, one is six, one is seven, Chiastra Astra and Harting. Mm-hmm. Uh, much more than that, I don't know. <laughs> you put me under pressure, Penny. <laughs> it's okay,
1: Dave. We have to come back more often, so then when you do your research, you'll just know more and you won't need to refer to your notes because they'll just be in your head.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah.
1: <laughs> like studying for an exam, isn't it, Dave?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Scary experience.
1: This is the exam. <clears throat> yeah. Anything else you wanted to put across us before we go to a break? Um...
0: The, you know, this uh, Champions League match tonight, um, th- there's a thing. Uh, are th- you talking
1: about the A League? No, I'm,
0: I'm talking about Champions League. Liverpool okay. versus. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> there's another match on, is there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Real have got four or five players that are all under the age of 20, F- 23, I think's the oldest. And You know, there's guys like Modra and other players can't get a game, Gareth Bale. Yep. So, you know, the the question, the first thing that hit my head was uh, I wonder if Ronaldo had realised this and took off to Man United. Because it looks like some of these players have actually been in excess of 40 games this season. Yep. So, guys, one kid is 18, he's played in excess of 30
1: got to be half of Ronaldo's age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You
0: know, and... Uh,
1: got to keep your body in good, Nick.
0: Oh, look, there's no question about that, but uh, these young players keeping likes of Luka Modric out of, yep. out of the team must be something good. So yeah, I it, think it, Liverpool better watch themselves.
1: It's the blend, isn't it? And that's the balance the coach has got to get right. Like um, Graham Arnold for the Socceroos, he's got to get the blend of everything right bring everyone together from wherever they are and yeah. get the dynamic right into winning combination and uh, I guess for a professional club you've got those players day in, day out so you can work with them every day at training to work out what's going to work and if you've got young players coming through through the academies and whatever then they are going to be one day taking the place of the modrichs and yeah. so forth
0: yeah. so Absolutely. they've
1: got to get game time yeah. and at some point the Modricers got to step aside
0: Absolutely Yeah, It's the yeah. way of the world right? It's the way of the world it's the yeah. way of the game
1: Yep Shall we go to a break now? Yes. Let's do it. This is Penn and Dave on the World Football Program. We'll be coming back and having a chat to Matt Stacey, Perth Glory's number one fan, the guy in purple with the great big hat at the Games. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all Gate and Fence Hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 9258 6822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor.
3: Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, Hi, I'm Peter Skeela. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleagestats.com, my website, where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football program on Radio Fremantle and we appreciate you tuning in.
8: Not too long to go now. We aren't just the people who mow your lawn.
3: We aren't just the people who paint your houses. We aren't just office workers or taxi drivers, or even the family next door. Underneath it all, we are fans. No matter when, no matter where, we'll be there.
8: let your inner fan out. No
1: guts, no glory. <laughs> the World Football Program, Penn and Dave, with you on 107.9 FM until lunchtime. We're joined by Matt Stacey. Good morning, Matt. Good
2: morning. Very morning, Matt. Very happy
1: to get you. Third time lucky. And how's your week been, Matt?
2: Reasonably good
1: reasonably good uh, what's the good parts about it is it all football related
2: oh not really just <laughs> keep keeping covid free
1: yeah that is definitely a good part for sure so um dave just asked me when the perth glory awards night was that was was it friday night or saturday night last week Last Friday. Last Friday, okay. And uh, just for, for those of you unknowing out of the awards, can you list them all off or do you want me to go for it, Matt?
2: <laughs> you go for it. Okay. I haven't got them in front of me.
1: All right, and we'll, we'll say congratulations to Callum Timmons, who was the only player in the All-Stars squad that played Barcelona. So good uh, good point there for... Perth Glory and the awards for Perth Glory were Daryl Lachman, Lach- Lachman, how do you say surname Matt? Lachman. Lachman, Daryl Lachman, uh, MVP and players player, Bruno was top scorer. Hinson was the top scorer for the women and Maya Leith-Yarns was the MVP for the women, Tash Rigby was the players player and Andy Keogh was nominated as life member and I think I saw somewhere overnight he is also being appointed to the club technical director position or something like that, Matt? Do you know?
2: Yeah, he's director of recruitment. Director of recruitment. Yes, so player recruitment. And I actually think that's a brilliant role for him.
1: So does that mean that he'll be scouting Australia and the world for players for glory?
2: (laughs) Yes, Exactly. Okay. And his and his family have got a small portion of the club.
1: Okay, so they are bought into things at the Glory. Yes. Okay, so he's going to be here for a while. Yes. Okay.
2: Or him and his him and his family.
1: Yep, yep, for sure. Well, that's that's good. Um, you know, whatever can help progress Glory. We've had a pretty mediocre last. A-League season, that's for sure. We need um, some things to look forward to. What, what's the changes on the horizon that the fans can look forward to, Matt?
2: Well, potentially a new venue. Yeah. But the word is, I'm hearing, is it's a bit out there, but know the old Subi Oval? They're looking at putting a temporary stadium in there with the Western Force. Oh. So with temporary grandstands,
1: right? When you say temporary, why would it be temporary? Why wouldn't they look for a permanent home?
2: Because of the ones that would be like the whacker don't want us, and it needs to be the lighting still there at the whack, at the old Subi Oval, and they've got changing rooms still there. So they've got, and they would have the where the uh, waffle clubs areas for the function rooms and that so it's not a bad area and it's pretty central as well
1: definitely central train station public transport
0: yeah mm, interesting
1: okay and that's because the uh hbf um park where we've been playing is under redevelopment right now for the women's world cup so yep. it's unable to be used
2: yeah. But, but on the other side, of that, it'll
1: be well used because we'll have a, a fantastic upgraded stadium.
2: Oh, I don't think it's going. I don't think we're going to notice it as much as what was the majority of the upgrades to a new pitch, LED screens around this thing that we actually already have LED screens. So I don't know what they're actually going to be doing, and new changing rooms. So we're not actually going to see a lot of change. Okay. to the actual stadium.
1: Do you think that we need to make a major change to the stadium to be part of the attracting fans back to glory thing?
2: <clears throat> well, no, I actually honestly think the World Cup should have been at the Optus Stadium, putting uh, at the best stadium possible for it. Hmm.
0: Yeah, they won't do that because it's a dual sport uh, uh, facility.
1: Yeah, other commitments. Yeah. 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 I know, and I don't think any of the Matildas games are going to be here. There'll just be other international matches that'll be here and training for them, which is a bit bit of a shame, seeing as Sam Kerr is the Perth girl and the Matildas captain. So what what else have we got across our bows as Perth (coughs) glory fans?
2: memberships have come out like the pre-thing renewals same price as last season plus members get Paramount Plus free this year as compensation from last season yeah so yeah, a lot of fans, it doesn't bother me, but a lot of fans are not happy with the compensation from the games that were missed I think that the club should have been able to do more.
1: Yeah, I suppose it comes down to <laughs> if the club does more, is it financially viable for the club to still exist? Yeah. yeah.
2: But then again, with the women's memberships, the ones from last season, they're giving free memberships to all the members because oh, wow. of they missed out on all their games apart from one.
1: That's right. Yeah, OK. Yeah. Well, it's good that so, they're actually making uh, um, some moves to help Keep fans and
2: membership, get them back. Yes, yeah, but pe- people are not happy with Paramount. That's the other factor. People are saying <laughs> would rather would rather the eighty dollars that Paramount would cost them in ca- off the membership. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Do, yeah because. Do, do you use Paramount, Matt? Yes, and I actually don't have a problem. The way I stream, I stream it through my iPad onto my TV and I don't have any connection issues that a lot of people have.
1: Why do you think people are having connection issues? Too much stuff uh, trying to yeah, happen at some yeah, time?
2: W- yeah, and the way they stream it. Yeah, okay. The, yeah.
1: What about you, day? Do you use Paramount? No, I don't. Okay. No. How do you watch football? Just go on the internet. Okay.
0: Just, just search it out.
1: Yeah, okay. There's a lot of ways. I know that some of our listeners tell me they get they, they access it through different pla- international platforms. Yeah. International,
0: international, that's what I do. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh. yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, so I guess it's something that uh, needs to be worked on to make the members happy. All the little bits have to add up, don't they, Matt?
2: Yes. And um, with the new coach, I've got no news on it. Apart from that, they do have an a, a, a advisory panel. A few past coaches are going to be helping advise Sage with who he's picking. So he's got Kenny Lowe, Mitch D'Avray and Tony Pokovic are going to be advising him on his candidates.
1: I th- oh, you got me very excited then because before you said selection panel and candidates, I was thinking, wow, are they being considered as coach?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: Damn. Well, you haven't got any um, tasty morsels you can throw as possible coaching candidates?
2: Well, I reckon they're holding out to after the World Cup qualifiers and hoping that Graham Arnold isn't. This is a long shot, but <laughs> if Graham, if the if the soccer, if the Socceroos fail, I reckon they're going to poach um the Socceroo Graham Arnold wow. for wow. glory. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That is a, a, a massive shot, there, Matt. We'll have to put you down as the quote of
2: the week <laughs> yeah, for that one. Absolutely, Approach yes, eh? Graham yeah. Arnold. Yeah. Post- yeah. Honestly, we'll I want someone. I want. I want someone new. As much as Ruben's a good guy, and I reckon a good coach, I think he's more of a development coach than a coach for the A League full time.
1: Yeah. 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 Look, I here? want someone.
2: We need I want someone, someone experience.
1: Yeah, look, I, I agree. And I, I think your sentiments are the entire fan base sentiments. We need someone who's going to bring together whatever it is that Perth Glory have got. And when you look at Perth Glory, it's a massive machine. I mean, yeah. the infrastructure there, is, they've got you know staff infrastructure, stadium infrastructure. They've got juniors to youth team infrastructure. So someone to connect it all and has got the passion to work through everything, it's, it takes a very... Very good person, the right mindset to do. I don't know who that person is. I don't know if Graham Arnold's a person to do that. He possibly is. He'd have a big yeah. job when he,
2: Even the um, English coach that they were talking about, who I can't remember his name now, but he would be good. Even though he's in his seventies, he's got a lot of a lot of experience. Uh, an English coach? Yeah, he's coached England. He's coached all over the world. There was someone um, listed a long time ago as one of the things. He's in his 70s. or He's quite old, but he's won titles all over the world.
1: Is that Stephen Constantine?
0: Nah, no. No, it must be uh, the guy, was it?
1: No. You're not talking about the Arsenal coach, are you? You're not talking...
0: Uh, Arsene Wenger.
1: No, you're not talking about someone very high up like Arsene but, Wenger, are you, Matt? Matt, are you still there? No?
0: Nope. Oh, I think we've lost Matt.
1: <laughs> we'll have to keep speculating <coughs> about that one, I reckon. Um, we will have a chat about the fact that Perth Glory, on the women's side, are undertaking massive signings, which is great because uh, Alex Apakis is already looking forward to the next season and he's taken on board, I think it was 16 players now under contract. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's it's absolutely fantastic. So uh, we were talking about Sadie Lawrence. She's contracted again for the glory. So okay. former um, Mum FC midfielder. Yep. Um, yep. So, yes, um, Sarah Kane, Aidan Keane, um, Demi Kulitzakis, Sadie Lawrence, uh, Susan Fons- Fonson. I cannot <laughs> ever pronounce her name. Oh, my God. Um, then we've already got under contract Aquino Jansiewski, Lowry, Uh, McKenna, Rigby, Hinson and and more, uh, Abby Green, uh, Isabella Warhead. So, yeah, I think we've already got more players than any other team that I can think of in the, I'm going to say A-League, W, that I can think of that have even started signing players yet. So, great. I'm really happy with that because it lets us, uh, lets our fans know that we're being proactive and... Um, I think we did a great job considering what we had to accommodate this year. And uh, Crystal Palace coach, Crystal Palace coach, I have no idea. If anyone knows who the Crystal Palace coach is, just you know, text well, me. Well, he's, he's no
0: longer with <laughs> Crystal Palace. He was with
1: Crystal Palace, there you go, yeah. <clears throat> Look, we might just have a a quick uh, comment that the A-League Awards also happened during the week. And I saw Lisa Devana pop up there. He pops up in the news for various things, but okay. she popped up in, in her regalia at the A-League Awards and the awards were uh, the Johnny Warren Medal, was Jake Brimmer from Melbourne Victory, the Julie Dolan Medal was uh, Fiona Watts from Adelaide and Fiona also won the Golden Boot for Adelaide with 13 goals. Jamie McLaren won the Golden Boot for the men. He's uh, from Melbourne City. Mark Berrigitte for the second year running was Golden Gloves, I think that's what they call the best goalkeeper, Goalkeeper of the Year. Uh, And Casey Dumont from Melbourne Victory was the Golden Gloves or Goalkeeper of the Year for the women. Uh, And Popovich was the Coach of the Year for the men for Melbourne Victory. And Adrian Stenter from Adelaide United for the women. So Adelaide, both the men's and the women's, had uh, great seasons, I reckon. They played some great football um, and were very entertaining to watch. So, yeah, that's about all the awards I can think of that have happened this week. And just confirming, too, that the World Cup qualifiers are coming up and they will be on free-to-air television on Channel 10. So June 7, June 19, so that's UAE versus Australia. Peru versus Australia, June 7, June 13. Then the final berth... Is between Costa Rica and New Zealand on the fourteenth of June, and we're going to have a tough group if we get through with France, Denmark, and Tunisia. So, whew, if we get through Socceroos, we're going to have game on for sure. Um, how are you going there, Dave? You found found that? I know that you're just researching no, to try and find.
0: It. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally wrong. I'm down the wrong track altogether.
1: That's okay. <coughs> All right. Um, what
0: else have we got to cover? I know you want to bring something yeah, Um, up. State League. Uh, yeah, Division go for it. One,
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, Men's uh, State uh, League. Yeah, Men's State League. Um, results last weekend. Junedlop United 3, Manjaro City 0. Quinns 2, Subiaco 3. Olympic Kingsby 2, Mum FC 1. Western Knights 1, Rockingham City 1. Forestfield 2, Netherlands 1. And uh, Dianella 0, Fremantle City, 2. Top of the league is Olympic with 21 points. Fremantle City with 17. Western Knights with 16. And Moundra City with 14. Bottom of the league there is uh, UWA Netherlands and uh, Dianella with three and four points respectively.
1: Sven Gern Eriksson.
0: No. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go on with the fixtures for (laughs) State League One. Uh, Mandra City versus Forestfield. (laughs) Fremantle City versus Kingsway. So that's a a top of the table clash. Rockingham City versus Dianella. Subie versus Duneleup United. Uh, UWA Netherlands versus Western Knights. And Mum FC versus Queens And the Monmouth game is a 6 o'clock kickoff. Now, there's another game, Fremantle, uh, and there's another game is a 6 p.m. kickoff. Maybe I'm wrong. Um,
1: Getting the most out of the stadium down there at Murdoch?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Division 2 results, Caramar, uh, Shamrock 4, Monroe City 2, June Lope City and Curtin University are now nil draw, Swan United 5, uh, South West Phoenix, 1. Oh,
5: that's, that's good.
0: That's a good result for Dan. Yeah. Yep. Morley, Windmills, 3. Uh, Kingsley, Westside, 4. Balga, Gosnells, Ashfield, Canning, all out due to COVID. The fixed the, the placings, Caramar, Shamrock are top of the league with 21 points. Kingsley with 18. Gosnells with 16. And Curtin with 12. And the bottom of that pile is... Where's Swan, the, Swan
1: sitting in that? That was state two, wasn't
0: it? Swan is number five. Okay. fifth in the list, year with ten points. Yep. Warnaroo City are at the bottom, and South West Phoenix are just one point above at five points. Fixtures, Ashfield versus Junelope City, Cotton versus Balga, South West Phoenix versus Canning City, Gosnells versus Caramar, uh, Morley Windmills versus Swan, uh, Roof City versus Kingsley Westside.
1: Where's Karamar on that table?
0: Yeah. Caramar
1: are. have got a female football program up there.
0: Caramar are at the top, okay. c- 21 points.
1: Yeah, that's great. So the men's and the women's are very strong up that way. Yeah. 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 It's good. good. Uh, before we go to break, and we'll pick up Anna Dong. Uh, just a reminder that the A-League Grand Final is on tonight and it's Melbourne City and um, I have a total medal blank in my head. Western. Western United, thank you very much. Oh my God. Um, and you can catch it on Network 10 or Paramount Plus. Uh, John John Aloisi, uh, John Aloisi is the Western United coach and Patrick Kisnorbo is the Melbourne City coach. Great to see two Australians at the helm there. Yes. Mm. Can we go to a break? Yes, absolutely. Okay, we'll do that and we'll come back and we'll chat more football, so don't go away. We'll be up next with Angeo Odong from Football Australia. This is Penn and Dave talking lots of football.
5: Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. The World
7: Football Program is a community program run by volunteers, just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle Weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks
5: for your support.
4: West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport at all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies, and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual, or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's, or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in Futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest-growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140, via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website www.footsalwa.org.au
6: When I look back on my career, I don't want to be asking myself, what if?
4: The time has come to show them our passion, our grit, show them the meaning of high energy football, show them our great Aussie spirit, that we give it our all and never say die. Women's Asian Cup is here. It's time to show them who we are.
1: This is Penn and Dave on the World Football Programme. Thank you for joining us. You can catch it live stream or on the podcast on the worldfootballprogram.com.au website. We have Anne Odong on the line now. Good afternoon, Anne. Good afternoon, Pam. Good afternoon, Dave. Uh,
0: Good afternoon.
1: (laughs) Thank you for joining us. And I'd like you to tell us what your formal title is these days (laughs) with Football Australia. Go
6: for it. (laughs) Uh, My formal title is Media Officer uh, for Women's National Teams, Women's Football and Diversity and Inclusion. So quite a few different things in there, but they all work really well together, which makes it a bit easier.
1: It is. And I was having this little... uh, Chuckle and a proud moment to myself when I was thinking the other day I was doing this speech to the local community and putting things together about my life and how it adds to community and and I was thinking about yourself and how much you've added into the community and where you've come in your football journey and where you've gone to and Miranda Templeman who's pretty much come along in the similar kind of footsteps to you and she's stepped into this studio she's learnt the ropes and she's looking to make her mark on football in Australia and you're giving her some pointers now on media and so forth
6: yeah it's, it's a circle of life as somebody once sang I believe um
1: that's pretty and, impressive
6: like to be honest <laughs> to be honest it's, it's kind of surreal um watching Miranda go through the same pathway and I guess that's where Pen, you've got to be kind of proud of it because I still remember that day where you asked me as like a 20 year old if i wanted to do this and i'm not gonna lie i spent the first six months not saying boo but um it definitely (laughs) was a full experience that uh, i still it still holds me in great stead today so for me it's one of those formative pieces and then you kind of go along the way so that's what i love about this journey is you meet people who help you along and they give you that next stepping stone and that's what i'm trying to do now is pay it forward because of all the people that I had
1: who helped me. Absolutely yep absolutely and sometimes we maybe don't know we're doing it but we just do it that's part of what we do and bring it on it's it's all good adding back into the community. Now we've got to have a chat about uh, Sam Kerr and awards and uh, you know women's football and how it's looking out there in the wide world and my take is that Sam Kerr regardless of whether we personally think she's the best footballer in the world because we're Australians and maybe because we're here from Perth and that's where she's from, um, is doing great things for football in Australia by scoring lots of goals. And that's flicking around all the technologies around the world and people are recognising Sam Kerr in women's football and saying women's football. This is really good for the the growth of our sport and the promotion of our sport worldwide. Yeah, and and Sam, of
6: course, has that Radio Fremantle connection. That studio is where... She did her first interview as a 14-year-old walking in with her mum. So, yes. you know, that there's that real connection there. And, and what she's doing for the game, I don't think we're going to really understand uh, for another probably 10, 15 years. You look back now and you see the formative moments of any sport or the moments where it, it, really, changes, um, it re- really changes the trajectory of a sport. You don't actually feel it when you're living in it I, I think we do understand what's going on a little bit but we won't actually know the effect for a, a, another 10-15 years when uh, you know we have little girls coming through and saying my hero was Sam Kerr much like the Matildas say right now my hero was Patty Freeman yeah. so I think that's what we're not aware of and and she just does it with a smile on her face I think that's actually what adds to it I think that infectious nature how much joy she has when she does score, how she celebrates with her teammates. And um, you talk about what the impact that she has, you listen to how her teammates talk about her. And that normally tells you somebody who who is um, not just this iconic player now, but somebody who is really um, contributing to the success of the whole team. And that's what she's always said. She wants. She doesn't care about the trophies and the awards and all
1: of those things if the team doesn't succeed. The Sam Kerr impact, let's call it that, the Sam Kerr impact, okay, I really want to see that make a difference before the next Women's World Cup hits here in Australia. I want to see whatever it is that's rippling through the entire universe land in Australia six months before there's a Women's World Cup so that when you walk down the street, you can see that there's a Women's World Cup happening, Anne
6: i think you will do that i think there is that process of building up the momentum at the moment we're 14 months out still there's a lot to happen in that time frame you know we've still got the birmingham commonwealth games we've still got the men's world cup we still have the world cup draw i think once you sort of reach the turn of the year and it hits 23 i think you'll see a lot more momentum occur but at the moment um, it's just a marketing piece of you've got to be able to make the most of the opportunities and, uh, and 14 months out, uh, that's, that's probably not the best time frame at the moment. So I, I really do think you'll see that once we turn into January, February next year.
1: Will the professional players, uh, a lot of the Australian players not playing in Australia, will they return to Australia in the lead up to the World Cup to help be ambassadors to promote the World Cup?
6: Unfortunately not, just because of the fact that it's the FIFA windows exist. I think, you know, that's one of the great things about the girls playing overseas is this increased exposure, the connection with massive brand names like Arsenal, Chelsea, you know, um, Everton, Manchester City, Lyon. You know, they've got massive brand connection, but that also then means we are connected to the global game. And unfortunately, that means that, we can only pull in players um, during the FIFA windows and the clubs have a lot more say in relation to um, their time um, just because they pay them for year round. So, you know, if we were in the, if they were mostly playing in the A-League women's, we would have that opportunity to have that conversation with the clubs. But because they're in um, clubs overseas, you're you're not going to get that opportunity, particularly as our, our girls play in some of the best leagues in the world. So, that means that they're not just playing league competition, which is already 22 games a year. They're playing FA Cup. They're playing Continental Cup. Some of them are playing UEFA Women's Champions League. So for some of these players, they could be playing up to three games a week and they could do that for four or five weeks. And in between that, then they still have to um, fly on over for international breaks with the Matildas. So um, it's the give and take of having world-class players.
1: Yeah, we've got to... take into account that there are not only world-class, pl- cl- world-class players out there, there's some world-class coaches out to there too. Tanya Oxby is um, yeah. in the Chelsea camp. Joe Montemuro is over at Juventus. Um, there's some world-class referees that will be coaching, uh, female mm-hmm. referees that will be uh, coaching, refereeing at the men's <laughs> World Cup. So you know, there's some pretty significant others outside of the playing arena that are doing their bit to promote football here from Australia.
6: And that's what we're trying to do when we leverage um, the World Cup. Um, legacy 23 is our program, it's our game plan to leverage the hosting the Women's World Cup in Australia. And we're trying to start that um, legacy now. We don't want to wait till after the tournament to start the legacy work. We're doing that right now. And as a part of that with uh, our game is about talking to women and girls now and saying, you know, how do you want to be involved in the game? How do you see yourself involved in the game? And we want to demonstrate to them there are all these opportunities. You've spoken about the coaches in Tanya and um, Joe Montemuro and just recently you had Kat Smith hired for the Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, you've got Leah who's about to become the first Australian woman to, ref- uh, to coach at a FIFA tournament. Um, you know, that, that you've got them across the board. Then you've got, as you mentioned, some of the world-class referees, with Casey Rybelt joining the A-League panel, and um, Kate Jackowitz and Lara Lee last night winning, uh, sorry, on Thursday night, winning the um, referee of the year. But then again, we've also got world-class administrators. Um, and you've got um, so many opportunities now, and that's what we want to leverage the World Cup and say spotlight, highlight all those opportunities that you actually have in the game through Legacy 23. And this is how you can do it. Commentators like you, Pen, people can follow in your footsteps. Those are the stories we want to tell and highlight and say, hey, this is how you can be involved in the game. It's not just on the pitch. Um, if you stop playing or if you want to continue to play, you still have various ways to be involved. And
1: <coughs> speaking of legacy, the Under-20 Women's World Cup is happening in August in Costa Rica, and the young squad... I think I think they just going into five-day camp and I didn't see Miranda Templeman's name on that, but I'm assuming that's possibly because she's uh, still recovering from thumb surgery.
6: It's also because we're at the moment of, and Leah Blaney is at the moment of, um, giving everybody an opportunity to come in and for her to have a look. So the first couple of camps, she's, she's already gone through 40 players and she'll continue to look at new players. We've got a couple of newbies from overseas coming in, uh from uh, holly Murphy coming in from santa clara university across in the states um, we've got a player coming in from the uk so leah is basically if you're an australian or an eligible australian player um anywhere around the world leah wants to have a look at you so i think that's a really great opportunity and that she is spreading um going far and wide in in terms of talent ID. Um, And so over the next couple of months, that's going to be that process. She wants to look at every single under-20 Australian player who's eligible from around the world and then pick her squad from there.
0: Yeah.
1: Do you know, I always have about 20 things I want to speak to when you come on and chat and you rip through them in about five minutes (laughs) and I'm like, (laughs) don't. I I always call you encyclopedic because as long as I can remember your absorption – And your regurgitation of information has been absolutely incredible. I can't keep up with it, woman. (laughs) (laughs) I read too much and I keep too much. That's the problem. (laughs) Yep. So we've got to mention the Paramatildas. And I know their competition was a few weeks ago now, but there's a couple of players from West Australia in the team. And we're hopefully going to get uh, the goalkeeper of the tournament, which is Caitlin, um, who lives here in Perth, uh, on the show in a couple of weeks' time when she's back from her um, journeys. They've done very well.
6: Yeah, they did fantastically well. And it's just particularly for a team that really got together only eight weeks before the tournament occurred. Um, there was lots of COVID disruptions, but honestly what Kelly and the girls did in terms of the combat, Matildas is, uh, Paramatildas is is really going to change the game. And if you're talking about that Legacy 23, we want you know that 50-50 participation for women and girls in the game. And one of our biggest growth areas is going to be all abilities with 2.2 million women and girls living with disability in this country. So what they did and how they, you know, performed on the world stage, that's going to change the game. And now, you know, girls with disability have a team to aspire to be. And Caitlin, I mean, she's she's gorgeous. God love her. Um, She was fantastic during the tournament as well. So um, I I just think it's going to be amazing. And you already saw it in the social media and the posts about how much people were like, oh, we love this team and we love what they stand for. And then they also performed on the pitch. And Kelly Sturston, the head coach, keeps saying this is just the beginning and it really is just the beginning. Yes.
1: Yeah, I I feel the same. Like uh, Sepp Blatter said many years ago about women's football being the next growth part of football, I think uh, inclusion is definitely what we need to, um, you know, Having on our table and start to in whatever way it means, but I don't know. There's so many different yeah. things. But.
6: Well, we want to leave that. We want to live that credo of football is for everyone, and this is how we demonstrate that. It's not. It's multicultural. It's for women. It's um, you know for all abilities. I think that's what we really want to live and demonstrate that we are the sport that welcomes you.
1: I have a question. Uh, a few years ago, there was. Uh, a young guy named Gordon Jewis, who used to work for Football West, and I—I yes, know I Gordon. His uh, information absorption and regurgitation was pretty much like you. He was incredible, and uh, he loved inclusive football. And he would talk like if you just talk all day, if you let him, about all the programs that were there and the potential to be had. Uh, I I don't know where he is now, but I think he's a a loss to to football west here or football in um, Western Australia. But are there other people out there in other states like Gordon um, doing the kind of role that he did in states for men, women and all kinds of football to get all all the parts that we just talked about together? Is that a a normal role in every state?
6: It's not a normal role in every state, but it's definitely becoming much more prevalent. Um, you speak about um, those the, the work that Gordon did. We've seen that Kelly Certain, who's the head coach, she ran the All Abilities Program in Canberra for many, many years before she actually got this role. Um, Charlotte Ersteel, who was her assistant, she was running those programs at Football New South Wales. Um, you spoke about Gordon at um, Football West. Um, and now also Football Queensland as well has All Abilities programs. So now that people are saying this is an opportunity this is a, a great chance to engage you're seeing that open up a lot more and we've got the national championships in september this year and now that we've got men's and women's team the pararoos and the paramatildas um we've really got um great advertising to say this is what you can do and this is how you can represent your country
1: yes absolutely you- you seem to be across absolutely everything. Tell us exactly what you do with Football Australia. <laughs>
6: <laughs> uh, I look after the senior Matildas, the under-20s, the under-17s and the combat Paramatildas. Matildas. Um, and then also, yeah, diversity and inclusion and, and working with Carly Millican, who's our great Legacy 23 um, general manager and working with her on our game, which is um, our program and for, you know, inviting women and girls to become involved in football and um, continue to push on the legacy of the Women's World Cup far beyond um, the tournament itself in the four weeks of the tournament.
1: Does it cross over into the men's side of football at all, Ben?
6: I do assist Ben, Ben O'Neill, who um, looks after the men's side, but as you can see, there's a lot happening on the women's side, so... It's great to be able to dedicate my time, but I do work closely with Ben on the men's side where he needs support. And he does the exact same thing for me. Where I need support, he comes in and helps out. So we're a pretty good team. We just had Rebecca Trevojevic also come onto the team, who's been um, an amazing, amazing sounding board. She's been in the game for 20 years, has seen so much more than I have. Um, And so, yeah, I think we're building a really good team with Peter Philopoulos as our as our head of um, and I, I think the thing I love about our team is um, all four of us are incredibly passionate about the game and you know Ben started out as the kid on the terraces in Newcastle, me <laughs> starting out at Macedonia Park and Gosnell's and um, you know and for Beck it was a denser park and Pete it was South Melbourne so all of us just kind of grew up with football in our blood and now we get to do this job and Somebody pays us to do it. How good. <laughs>
1: yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah. we I really do appreciate you spending the time and having a chat to us. And before we let you go, uh, do you have the lowdown on Ellie Carpenter and progress on her injury rehab?
6: Yeah, so Ellie just had surgery um, on Wednesday. Um, she put up a social post that said day one was in the book. Um, and so she starts now the rehab process. Our uh, football, our Matildas, um, combat Matildas medical team um, is working closely with Leon's medical team. Who they are fantastic, uh, really strong. And so, yeah, so she'll she'll start that process. That's where she does it, I think that's going to be a conversation that um, both teams have together and see what's best for Ally. her best interests are going to be at the forefront of any decisions that are made around her rehabilitation.
1: Yeah, it's about fourteen months or something like that and she's a, a fit young thing, so hopefully that's enough time to um do what she needs to do and to get back on the part because we sure need her in the Matildas. Yeah.
6: yeah she's a tenacious player and I think yeah. we'll see that same attitude in going into the rehab as she does when she's uh chasing down a uh an attacker or roaming up the pets to make in a another awesome cross from the right flank. So, yeah, Elle's, Elle's an absolute sweetheart and she's, she's one player who I think is not just um, incredibly important for her on pitch, but also how she, she integrates in the team and, and is a an, um, complete team player.
1: Yes. And the World Cup uh, coming up next year, there's a few fixtures in June in the window yeah. uh, to get whomever we need to get, uh, together, Are we going to see new faces come into the squad or is it just a matter of refining down what we have?
6: Um, I think it will be looking at each player individually. We've always said that we will review where each player is at and um, provide the best preparation for the player and the team. So that will be the process to see where everyone is at and to see what we need to do. So um, I know that that process is happening right now um, and we will find out in days or so what that squad looks like Penny can't
1: give that away mm, I tried
6: <laughs> <laughs>
1: And it's been absolutely delightful having a chat to you again keep doing what you're doing with the passion and smile and uh, do join us again at some stage
6: oh absolutely always always fun to go back to the roots
1: Pen. good on you and I hope your weather over there is just as lovely as it is over here in Perth right now
6: it's a little bit better than the last couple of weeks I'm not going to lie we've just I saw something like we'd only had forty day eight days of no rain in the last twelve months or something. So <laughs> it's one of those days. Thanks thankfully.
1: Okay. We'll enjoy the sunshine over here for you, regardless of what it is over there. Thank you very much for joining us Anne O'Dong.
6: Thanks very much for having me, Penny. Have bye. a good one. See ya. Bye bye.
1: Thanks. Bye. Anne O'Dong, the, I'm just going to say the Football Australia Media Officer because the rest was just much too much for me to remember.
0: Too complicated, yeah, yeah. absolutely.
1: Good thing about Anne is that uh, regardless of what her actual role is, she takes an avid interest in everything.
0: Yeah, she does.
1: So you could just be talking to like the CEO of Football Australia when you talk to Anne, it's just across. Yeah. It's good, yeah. Um, informative. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, I wonder where Gordon Jewis is these days. Yeah, well,
0: exactly, I've written it down here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, see he, who it is. he was very encyclopedic, uh, incredible memory and uh, yeah, lots of useful information. I think whoever has employed him now is probably getting some good benefits from yeah. those skills that he's got. OK, we're going to have a chat to Dan Evans after the break. This is Penn and Dave on the World Football Programme. Do stay tuned.
5: The top
7: station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.
1: Gate and Fence Hardware WA Your one stop shop for all Gate and Fence Hardware Components, wrought iron, automation And electronic gate security We can offer great advice and solutions For your project Trade and layman welcome Hardware shipped all over Australia Contact the team On 9258 6822 Or shop online at Gateandfencehardware.com.au Station sponsor
6: Oswest Fencing and Raw is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Now I believe-
5: We are one, but we are
6: Winless after eight rounds, the Reds are this evening celebrating their maiden, a league championship.
3: All roads led to Adelaide Oval for the B. Hey, how you doing? This is Ted Lasso. I'm the new head coach of the Tottenham Hot Spurs. And uh, I'd like to talk to the queen, please. My name's Ted Lasso. I'm the new head coach for Tottenham Spurs. Been brought over here to, to, you know, implement my coaching style. Football is football no matter where you play it. You got grass, you got cleats, and you got helmets with masks on them. Football in the States is my specialty, but they have a different kind of football over here. Kick it! Circle them up, have them put on their pads and let's start playing for real. They're wearing their pads, coach. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of small similarities. A team I coach, they're going to play hard for all four quarters, okay? Uh, two halves. What's that? Two halves. Okay, halves. We're going to play hard for two halves. And we're going to play until there's a winner and there's or a loser. A What's that? A tie. Okay, till there's a winner, a loser, or a tie. You can tie. If you tried to end a, a game in a tie in the United States, heck, that might be listed in Revelations as the cause for the apocalypse. Yeah, do we have any goals this season? Absolutely. We're going to win a lot of games. We're going to get in the playoffs. No playoffs. There's no playoffs. Again, my job just got a lot easier. Ties and no playoffs. Why do you even do this? One of the issues I've had is what tackling was. There you go, tackle What the hell? That's not a tackle. It's just sliding around. Soccer tackle, sir. All right there, Gary. That's how you tackle. To prepare for this job, you know, read a lot of books, watched a lot of game films.
1: Yeah, that was Ted Lasso. If anyone hasn't seen it, you can get onto Apple TV and buy the complete two seasons now. It's uh, very funny.
0: Very funny. More of the
1: same, yeah. Yeah. And it reminds me of Dan, young Dan. I'm I'm sorry, Dan, not because of anything, but because you've coached in America. And every time I think of America and football and coaches, I think of Ted Lasso and I think of you. Good morning, Dan. Oh, great. Well,
8: good morning. I'm glad I'm a source of amusement.
1: (laughs) (laughs) doesn't matter how many times I watch that Ted Lasso. It just brings a laugh out of me, and that's uh, it's good. It's good. Anyone who hasn't watched it, remember Ted Lasso. So what's happening in Dan's world? I
8: uh, just finished the talent support program at, at Gibney Reserve. So we've just finished packing up, and uh, I'm about to head
1: off. Okay. Talent support program, and uh, this week it was all about uh, state team trials. without that boys and girls?
8: Uh, boys are in the final stages, so um, they've sort of whittled it down to the last 20, 22 players. Uh, so they're they're having some more training sessions before making final selections. Uh, and for girls, it was the the open trials for the under-14s and the under-16s, um, which uh, had some great numbers. I think we had about 120 registered for the under-14s and, and just under 100 for the under-16s. Yeah, how does that compare with previous years, do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, it's definitely up from last year. I can tell you what it was 22 years ago because I was chatting about it with Del <laughs>
1: 22 years?
8: And 22 years ago, there was 19 under 16 girls that turned up for, for trials. So in 22 years, we've gone from 19 to 120.
0: <laughs> well, it's progress, Dan. It's progress.
8: It, it is progress, yeah.
1: Far out, yeah. So talent support programs, are that underpinning to the NTC programs?
8: Uh, it, it's uh, a community-based program that we do trial. Um, so kids, kids trial to, jo- to join the program. It's run centrally at Gibney. And then, um, yeah, we, we, we hope, or we're offering additional and supplementary training to their clubs. And then we hope, obviously, if they're good enough, uh, then they can transition to the NTC or, or one of the state teams.
1: How have you got around understanding how the clubs and their own structures and programs work compared to Football West and Perth Glory? Uh, it, it really
5: depends on the
8: program. I mean, obviously, the, the, we run SAP programs, we run TNT programs and, and, and they uh, whether they're trialled or not, they're supplementary programs for clubs. So The aim isn't to Uh, compete with the clubs in that space. Um, It's just offering a service uh, for those in the PSP that have trialled and and been selected, uh, offering a service that that supports what they're getting with their existing club structures and and gives additional for those looking for additional training with qualified coaches.
1: Yep, and that's... That's good. That's uh, We were just talking about uh, earlier with uh, Ben Smith from the WA newspaper group about uh, the AIS and uh, where that fits into the Australian football landscape now with all the uh, national club infrastructures that's in place and is that um, competing with things and then going down to the grassroots level with NPL clubs and the, and the pathways and structures that they have in place um it's gradually infilling all the, all the spaces into providing a, a complete pathway for players, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, absolutely.
8: Uh, I mean, obviously, Glory now um, has uh, the, the pre-academy um, and, and the kids, uh, you know, I'm not involved with that, but kids come into that and then hopefully pro- they progress into the Glory sides. And then, uh, obviously, we've got similar programming um, with uh, the SAP, which is uh, anyone can come and play uh, the skill acquisition program. So we've got between the ages of nine and twelve, where anyone can register, turn up, uh, learn about the core skills, and basically um, teaching them uh, basic gameplay. And then from there, they progress into the TSP, and hopefully, if if, if they're good enough and, and if it's something they want to do, they might move into the NTC and the state teams, as I was saying. So yeah, you, you really uh, you can see a, a pathway from almost when you first kick a ball to um, uh, to right, right through the state and, and NTC programs, and, and I think that's great for the game.
1: Are you, or is Football West, rather, um, placing these programs at as many clubs as possible or, or into non-club spaces?
8: Uh, currently, the SAP is a centralised program for us that runs at Sydney on Saturday morning. Uh, the TSP also is the same, and, and, and we have a hub at Wanderoo, uh, which is the northern hub. Uh, there are some clubs that run their own SAP programs, um, which we encourage. Uh, I think there's a list uh, on the website uh, of, of the clubs, so I don't want to name one, so I'd to name them all. <laughs>
7: um,
8: but yeah, look, we, we encourage clubs, uh, and certainly if they want to seek our advice in, in how to start their own STAP program, um, that's something we can assist with. Um, but currently, obviously, with our STAP program, it runs centrally Saturday mornings to give the qualified staff, uh, and it's a really good group of kids at the moment.
1: What do you see as being needed in the local football na- uh, landscape that's not already there? That's a good question.
8: Um, look, I think if we had more SAP programs running, um, whether that's football west initiative, club initiatives or a combination of the two, um, I, I think um, we need more access um, to additional training or supplementary training for those those that want to do it because um, obviously I'm aware, you know, if, if you're in Rockingham, uh, if you're in Yanchep, then, then maybe Sydney on a Saturday morning is, is, is a bit of a challenge for you. Um, but of course, we've got to be mindful uh, of... We don't want to compete with the clubs in this space, um, but, but we do want to offer, you know, quality programming as a documentary, uh service for the players uh, if, if, if indeed that's what they're looking for.
1: I suppose the extension of the urban areas and probably the infilling of all the urban areas with subdivisions and so forth is probably something that Football West look at and go, well, OK, potentially there's more players that can be registered that we can attract into the sport, that we can develop, and then that's where more Dan's come into it. Yeah,
8: potentially. Uh, and, look, we, we, we run um, school programming as well. Uh, that, that's not something... Um, in sort of my my remit, but obviously that's the football West offer where we're going into schools. Um, you know, we, we we're working with the kids there, and the hope with that is uh, obviously some of them are already involved in football, but there might be a large number that are. not uh, So hopefully we can convert them over to the game, They you know they enjoy um, the, the the school programming that that we put on, and then and then uh, they they look for their local club, and, and, and you know that I think just one of the ways
1: the game. So just on the trials thing and talking about COVID management last couple of years being quiet in terms of touring and movement outside of WA for championships tours to Asia and yeah. things like that what's happening now in that space So
8: the state teams will compete at the Nationals in cost Harbour uh that I think mid to, to late September so both the, the boys and the girls state teams uh, will, will compete uh, which have great as you mentioned it you know hasn't run uh, for, for a little while now uh, so that that's really what we're trialing and, and, and preparing our teams for.
1: and is that an identification pathway into national teams?
8: yeah look potentially uh, you know you've got different strands of it now with the A league having their own uh, academies as well uh, but certainly um, the, the technical directors going to be there. Uh, I would assume. Uh, and then, um, yeah, hopefully uh, it, it is a, 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 another opp- a talent uh, ID opportunity for those players that, that, that are good enough for national team selection.
1: Otherwise, what is the point of the championship?
8: Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, look, it, it, uh, I, I think it does have another point in that it, it's obviously an experience for them going over there. But, but more than that, um, you've got what I could say is the more elite players playing against other elite players. Um, and, and I think that doesn't happen enough potentially just because of the size of the country and obviously the logistical challenges. Um, so, from that perspective, it's great. And then, of course, additionally, it's a talent ID opportunity.
1: So, you're giving each state the opportunity to find out where they're at in terms of player development, but also maybe resourcing and networking to other states to find out. How they get to where they've got to, and what else they might need to add into the system to improve some more.
8: Yeah, yeah, definitely it's a chance for that. And of course, you know, we always like to look around and see see what other other states do. are doing. I'm fortunate that I've, I've got a, a network in, in, in a few of the other states, so I always like to know what's going on and, and seeing if it's relevant in our environment. But but of course, all the states have their own challenges, um, and, and obviously, we're focused on what we can do better. Uh, but certainly, as you say, the the national championship's uh, a good chance for us to get a bit of a look of what's going on elsewhere.
1: Yep. And what about locally, uh, COVID management being what it has in the last couple of years in terms of um, carnivals and, uh, I don't know, regional competition and whatever, is Football West jumping back into some of that space?
8: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got a uh, that carnival coming up in July. Um, details have been emailed to clubs and and on the website. Uh, And that's just a non-competitive carnival where uh, staff aid uh, kids can come play over a couple of days of school holidays. Uh, So that's something we're doing. Um, The talent support program has also got uh, their own carnival. where We're going to link up, hopefully, uh, with the the state schools program and, and some of the regions. And then we've got country camp coming up as well. Uh, in the same school holidays, so yeah, we're we're, we're pretty busy, we've got a a number of things coming up, and uh, it's all systems go. How
1: many other development, I'm really stumbling over my words this morning, (laughs) Uh, how many other development officers are there working with Football West?
8: Uh, It's pretty much me, and then um, Gareth Naven, uh, who has moved into the policy and uh, advocacy uh, role, which Oversees um, our department, and then uh, Gary Church runs the coach education side of things. So uh, there's there's three of us on the ground in that area, and then um, Sarah just looks after uh, the women's engagement side of things.
1: That doesn't seem like nearly enough, Dan. <laughs> yeah, look at the
8: challenge, um, but you know we we do the best we can. There's there's community development officers in. The regions now,
6: yeah,
8: uh, which is which is fantastic. Uh, so yeah, look, we we um we we we, uh, we, we do what we can. Um, I know when you look sort of the New South Wales, Victoria, um, their staff is, uh, is is a lot larger. So if, if we were to expand, then fantastic. But obviously, um, both decisions are made uh, a few pay grades above mine.
1: Yeah, uh, just from what you've said in this discussion. I would have thought you'd have 10 people working with you to do all that stuff. <laughs> no, well, look,
8: we've, we've got part-time staff that work with uh, the NTC and then uh, we've got some casual staff that come in uh, that work with the staff and the TSP uh, and, and same with the school program. So, we, you know, we do engage uh, a number of people to come in and, and, and provide a service, uh, but full-time-wise, um, yeah, not, not so many.
1: Yeah, yeah. When I was down at the girls' state team trials in the week when you were there down at Bealia, nice little location down there too, right, uh, like surrounded by yeah. bushland, etc. Um, lots of parents there and lots of staff, uh, like people helping out, the, the physios and um, assistant coaches and everything. That so that was great. So yeah, it looked like you had yeah. everything that you needed.
8: Yeah, look, we we try and uh, make it as professional as possible and 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 offer uh, the best service that we can. So. Yeah, we, we bring in bring in people, to obviously assist uh, in the running of those sort of programs.
1: Yep, and uh, just moving on into your one of your other hats, uh, head coach of Swan United. How's things running there for you?
8: Yeah, okay. Uh, we picked up uh, wins in our last couple of games. I uh, had a had a good win against South West Phoenix last week. Uh, managed to beat them five one. Um, and, and you know they're, they're typically uh, a tough opposition. Certainly had some good games with them over the years. And then today we're at Morley, so expecting another competitive game. I think we're in a league where anyone on their date can beat anyone. So, you know, we know we've um, uh, got to be at our best if we want to get three points.
1: Yep. And as a head coach, how do you impress upon your club to... Um, manage things with COVID. We we can see from the fixtures every week. There's clubs that are having to postpone. But I think there's a mandate from Football West that you have to replay the fixture or play the fixture within four weeks of the postponement, which is uh, putting a little bit of pressure on location and um, doubling up of fixtures. How's it working for your club? Yeah.
8: Oh, look, really tough. We um, we played three games in eight days, and and I think. Uh, for I mean, for any players, but particularly for semi-pro players, that's challenging. So um, that, that that was a bit of a tough period in our season. But we, you know, we've come through the other side of that. You know, I, I think I said it before the season started. Um, it, it's part, partly, the teams that are going to be successful are the ones that are able to manage um, those sort of situations throughout the season. Um, so hopefully. Uh, we're through the worst of it now and, and, and we can go back to a, a sort of usual scheduling. Um, but, yeah, definitely, definitely
1: a uh, challenge. Yeah, it makes me think of Alex Ferguson and Manchester United when the squad that he had um, back when uh, Dave Beckham uh, was in his prime and there was a Neville Brothers, etc. They had a, such a huge squad that they're able to rotate players through different competitions and not yeah. overplay the players, so that they could, you know, get through with minimal amount of injuries and so forth, and um, you know h- how the squad worked during those times of, you know, knowing that that was their place in the squad, that they may not play every game, but that they were contributing yep. to the team by, you know, rotating on and off as they need to through the season. That's kind of how I look at managing through COVID at the moment, having a larger squad to be able to cope with all those things. Yeah, look, I'm I'm
8: typically a fan of having a larger squad anyway, um, so certainly we. With- made some uh, rotations, just you know, from a squad management perspective, as you say. But it's challenging because obviously, you know, you got players and they want to play, and, and you know, we're not paying them paying them four hundred thousand pounds a week. So, uh, so when they're not playing, um, you have got to manage that as well. Um, but, but like I said, you know, with, that is what it is. We, we're hopefully through the worst of it from a swan perspective, and and yeah, just concentrating on uh, picking up as many points as we can for the remainder of the season.
1: So you haven't needed to get your boots on yet, Dan?
8: Uh, no, that was about 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> if, if I could, I, I, I would. I wouldn't be doing all this coaching
0: stuff. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dan, I've got a question for you. The um, Swan Italia or Swan United youth system, how is that coming on? Yeah, that's a, a work in progress.
2: Um, so part of my role as the technical director, I, I sort of oversee the youth
8: side of the uh, the club. Um got some really good approaches in place um, I think you know we're, we're really focusing all, all our teams are important but we're really focusing on the, the early engagement you know with the six, seven, eight year old uh, and we've got some, some pretty good growing numbers in that space so you know as, as you know uh, it, it's, it's going to take time um, when you're building programs um, but we're confident we're heading in the right direction.
0: Yeah that's good and uh, any superstars coming through?
8: I've got a couple of nice kids. Yeah. Uh, look, the, the 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 challenge we've got, obviously, uh, is we're not part of the NPL yeah. pathway. Uh, so, you know, as I've said to the coaches, and they don't necessarily like to hear it, but the reality is, we might lose some of the better players. Um, we want to offer them the best service as possible. But if they choose to go down the MPL pathway, then that's fine. Um, we obviously hope that uh, if if, if um, we've been good to them, then then inclined that you know one day they might return. Um, so yeah, we'll see. But we've definitely got um, a, a number of good juniors that that hopefully stay with us. And if not, if they if they do move, as I said, then then they come back to us as better players.
0: Yeah, that, 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 that's good. And uh, your your game today, Morley, it's a bit yeah. a bit of a tight one for you there.
8: Yeah, look, obviously Morley have um, attracted a number of players uh, this season. Um, uh, they've also had a recent change uh, with their coaching staff. Um, I, I went and watched them last week, actually, because they, they had the late kickoff. Uh, and they went 3 a up and, and, and lost 4-3. But, but certainly uh, the, the the quality they have is obvious. I think they're, they're probably not as high up on the table as they... They'd like to beat. Um, So, yeah. Look, we it's one we know that we're going to get a tough game today, and and, you know, if if we're not performing at our best, uh, it's going to be challenging. So, you know, hopefully, we turn up. um, We stick to what we've worked on throughout the week, and and we get the three points.
0: Yeah,
1: I've got a question for you, Dan, about the club. Um, A lot of clubs depend on people coming down and supporting canteens and the social aspect. There, Has, has COVID affected that at Swan, in regard to um, wearing of masks, socially distancing, people's reservations about being um, in, in tight group situations? Has any of that impacted on Swan? I, I couldn't say
8: because obviously that's not necessarily my department. Um, from what I can gather, uh, it, it hasn't really stopped the, the, the Swan supporters coming down. Um, it seemingly you know, we've we've had similar numbers, um, but I'd have to uh, I'd have to do my homework. On that. I, I I do know that it has Im- impacted some clubs uh, with with gate receipts and, and you know canteen bar sales. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if it had impacted us. But, but from what I've seen, it, it you know numbers wise, it, it, it looked uh, it looked fairly normal.
1: Yeah, good. I didn't mean three under the bus. There. I just wondered because um, state league division two to state league division one, and then in NPO, you get a different level of support for the clubs and an income streams that uh, you know the, the foundations and resources that the club survives on. And you know, I, I know yeah. from uh, where I'm at in the girls' side of Mum FC, we're out in the open air, so we have some some players who wear masks right through training sessions, and parents come down and they wear masks, but mostly um, your parents aren't around during training sessions but um, game days they're, yeah. they're around like normal. I haven't really noticed a whole lot of change there which is great. Mm.
8: Yeah look we um, all I would say is I think it's, we've got one of the best burgers in the league. <laughs> uh, so,
1: so I think when people come down they're still buying the burgers which yeah, good one, Dan. Really appreciate your time today and uh, your enthusiasm and energy as always is uh, put back into football in a in a very positive way. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks
8: for having me. Always good to talk. Yeah, keep Cheers, out of Dan. trouble,
1: Dan. See ya.
8: Always. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. Dan Evans, Football West Development Officer and Swan United Technical Director, Head Coach, and probably a few other feathers there yeah. I haven't managed to squeeze in, but. Uh, Dave, thanks for joining us today. I thought I'd play a little bit of a, a Pelé um, rap. You know, Pelé, the football player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought I'd, I'd play that as we lead out into Lynn and the Bags Groove Jazz show that's coming up next. I'm in again next week because I've got a couple of guests I wanted to line up. Okay. Um, including Rob DeCline, who's the Women's Standing Chair, Women's Committee Standing Chair for okay. football. But um covered a few things in today's uh, two hours, Dave. Yeah.
0: Interesting uh, and very enjoyable. Yeah, thank, thanks very much, Benny.
1: Yep, nice and relaxed. Good on you. Thank you, thank you, everyone for listening in. I'm going to go and get this bug out of my throat, whatever it is that's making me stumble today. But I uh, appreciate everyone tuning in. You're on the World Football Program, and this is Pele, the Legend, coming up.
5: So yeah. Pelé, real name Edson Arantes do Nascimento, is widely regarded as one of the greatest ever exponents of the sport. He helped become known as the Beautiful Game. He holds the prestigious record of being a FIFA World Cup winner on no less than three occasions, scoring 12 goals in 14 games at the finals. Born in the poor district of Três Corações, Minas Gerais, Brazil, on the 23rd of October in 1940, he remains the most famous footballer in history, and it is his achievements in the FIFA. For world Cup that have chiefly garnered that accolade. His entrance onto the world stage occurred during the 1958 finals in Sweden. At the tender age of just 17 he was the star of the tournament scoring six goals including three in the semi-final and two in the final. The teenager emerged from nowhere to light up the tournament with his dazzling skills. In the quarter-finals, Pelé scored a fine solo goal to give Brazil a 1-0 victory against Wales. The semi-final against France was billed as a contest between the young prodigy, Pelé, and France's free-scoring, Juste Fontaine. The script was written for Pelé, and he grabbed the headlines with an opportunistic second-half hat-trick. goals in a comprehensive 5-2 win guided Brazil to the final, where they faced the host, Sweden. Stockholm was the venue, and the stage was set for Pelé to prove his status as the young prodigy. in the second half and with brazil winning 2-1 pelé scored a wonder goal he produced a magical piece of skill before providing the finishing touch without doubt a defining moment in fifa world cup history in the final minute of the match pelé scored his second goal with a looping header brazil won 5-2 and with it came their first fifa world cup triumph Held aloft on the shoulders of his teammates, Pelé was paraded as a hero. He handled the pressure of representing his country with the maturity of a veteran, and he would go on from this success. At the 1962 finals in Chile, an injured hamstring in Brazil's second match prevented Pelé playing an integral part in his country's campaign. Despite his obvious disappointment at not making the final in Santiago, Pelé cheered on his beloved Brazil from the stands. They didn't let him down, and despite going a goal behind, they went on to beat Czechoslovakia 3-1. Pelé was rewarded for his early contributions in the tournament with his second successive FIFA World Cup winner's medal.